At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. Uh, with that being said, we're going to hop into our sermon, which is very similar to that topic of putting your, li- your life on the line, uh, specifically for Christ. Um, in our text today, we're studying, it teaches just that, that suffering, when you stick your neck out on the line, specifically when you follow Christ, uh, may happen. I'd hate to break it to you if, if you have committed your life to Christ, that your life may not be all sunshine and rainbows. Um, a, a lot of pastors falsely teach that once you accept Christ, that everything, uh, your life will be marked by health, by wealth, uh, and maybe even free from suffering. And uh, this is false. This is uh, further from the biblical text. This is far from the life of Jesus, far from the life of the disciples and church history. And so uh, you look at the disciples' lives, a majority of them actually died for what they believed in, which was Jesus and his gospel. And so the truth of God's word in our specific passage today is that believers in Christ will suffer for doing good. And so with that said, if you could turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, that's where our section is going to be through today. This is our last sermon through the series we've been going through, which is called Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. I love that title because is it not unpredictable, church? I mean, it's, it's very unpredictable. And so uh, last uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Jeff brought a beautiful message uh, through the text that was just before this, talking about how we should submit to governing authorities, which timely was right around election time. So if you did not listen to that message or if you weren't here, uh, please go back and listen to it. It was beautifully put, and he preached an amazing message. And then last week, we were able to see a video message from Pastor Chris, our senior pastor through all of Woodside, and he, he gave a great message uh, from 1 Peter chapter 5. And so now we are moving into this last section that is talking about how we should relate and submit to those over us in the workplace. So let's pick it up in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 18. It says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if you do, if, but when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this text. I pray that you would speak through, the, through me this morning. I pray that people would see more of you and less of me. We thank you for this text. 
God, we love you and we entrust this morning to you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so be, before we go forward, um, I'm going to call out the elephant in the room about this passage. Uh, we must acknowledge that there's no getting around the fact that servants in verse 18 is referring to household slaves. With that said, we need to realize that Peter is writing to a first century context and not here in 2020. You see, in, in Britain, in colonial America, slaves were kidnapped and then brought and sold as personal property. Many slaves were mistreated and eventually terribly even killed. So slavery was different during the first century under the Roman Empire. Slaves were many times well-educated. Uh, they might have served as physicians or as tutors to children. And though it was difficult, slaves even had the opportunity to buy their freedom. With that said, slavery was never desirable. The New Testament never affirms slavery. It only regulates a societal structure that already existed. So just because this topic of slavery is in the Bible does not necessarily mean that it's condoned or that God accepts it. So with what was practiced here in North America is condemned in Scripture in 1 Timothy. The Apostle Paul activities that are contrary to sound doctrine, behavior that is against the glorious gospel. And what I, one activity in the list is the noun translated enslavers. And this word refers to those who would take a person captive in order to sell him or her into slavery. Paul then condemned slavery as contrary to sound doctrine and against the glorious gospel. So the Bible is very clear on North American slavery. It speaks against it. It abhors it. It is a sin. Now, the text we're reading today, it's very hard for us to take off our colored glasses when we see slavery. But once we enter the first century context and see what Peter's talking about, he's talking about these household servants. These were men and women largely employed as managers and helpers in the home. Peter's concern here is not to uphold slavery, but rather the importance of maintaining faithful gospel witness within the structures of society, which is important because this is our society. How do we be Jesus within this? And as a side point, it's very important to note that the fact that Peter brought up servants in this passage gives them human dignity. Because oftentimes, texts or letters were often written to masters during that time. So the very fact that he's even talking about or mentioning these servants and what they should do within a gospel-centered uh, context is giving them human dignity. As Galatians 3 talks about, because of Christ, there is no longer a distinction between slave-free they are both one in Christ. Praise God, we are all one in Christ. We aren't slaves or servants in today's culture, right? In 2020. But we can apply this passage to our lives today because Peter extends his command to servants out to all Christians. In the text, look at verse 18 even. It says, it references servants in particular and then in verse 19, it becomes one when referring to all Christians in general. So since all of us uh, here are servants and have earthly masters, whether it be your boss, your supervisor, or any other authority above you, all of us can apply this passage uh, and live out Peter's teaching. Because believers in Christ, 
will suffer for doing good. So before we go, let me ask you a question. Are you going through suffering right now? You know, whether it be because of COVID, whether it be because uh, something related to your job, are you going through suffering? And more importantly, are you suffering because of Jesus? Like, are you living out a gospel-centered uh, life, and are you experiencing suffering for it? And so how do you stay faithful within that suffering? So we're, that's, that's what we're going to be learning today is uh, how to be faithful within that. And so we're going to find three ways to stay faithful when suffering for doing good. The first being, find the grace in the suffering. Find the grace in the suffering. So let's read uh, verse 18 through 20 once more. It says this, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, and, you, for, and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So as a recap, Peter is writing to a first century context. He's writing to the Christian exiles who are being uh, picked off one by one by Emperor Nero. Like they are suffering unjustly right now. And so Peter moves from the human institutions, as I talked about earlier, and goes to earthly masters and how we should submit to them. He says that we are called to be subject to earthly masters and overseers with all respect, even to those who are unjust. Now, what is an unjust master? The word unjust can be more literally be understood as crooked or a cheater or a liar. Does anybody know a liar in this room? Yes. And so if you have an employer like that, do them all the good that you can, even if it leads to suffering. Additionally, this submission is to be offered in all respect, regardless of the treatment that's received. This means the way a servant is to respond and treat his earthly master is not dependent upon how they are treated. So, um, in verse 19, it talks about how this suffering is in the sight of God. When you go through the suffering, God sees that, and it, it brings him favor. And then, again, in the, the world sees this, uh, this suffering as well and your graciousness of how you respond. The true grace of God is revealed in the world when Christians who are treated unjustly and nevertheless act honorably and good. The world is watching you, Christian. So stand firm. That's what it says in uh, chapter 5 of what Pastor Chris brought last week. Stand firm. Now, this, I'll be honest, church, this is hard for me because I am somebody who does want to resist. I am somebody who wants to fight back and revile against. But it takes courage, it takes steadfastness, it takes patience to not act out in that way. What Peter shares in this verse seems to be related to what Jesus shared with his disciples in Luke chapter 6. Uh, read this along with me. It should be up on the screen. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For his, 
is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. What good is our faith if we do not act differently than the world? Like, the faith in Jesus that we have should propel us to act completely different than the world acts. God rewards this faithfulness. There may be no reward for living with a Christian influence within your workplace, but God sees that. He he will reward that at the end of all times. And so this endurance of suffering unjustly is an act that finds favor with God on which he smiles with approval. Church, I'm waiting for that day for God, for me to to go into heaven and for me to, to look into his eyes, put his hand on my shoulder and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Are you not waiting for that day? So if you're a Christian here today and your supervisor or your earthly master is constantly getting on you about being late, uh, being uh, unprofessional, uh, the lack of the quality of your work or unprofessional appearance, this is not unjust suffering. Like you're getting what you deserve. Your supervisor is giving you, uh, he is being godly, she is being godly. Now, if you're a Christian here today and your supervisor is constantly or, or he's getting on you because of your Christian influence within the workplace, or you are very professional, or uh, uh, you're sharing about Jesus, uh, but he or she discriminates against you because of your Christian faith, and perhaps even docks your pay, or uh, a variety of things, that is unjust suffering because of Christ. And so here we find the the topic of the message today is we need to find the grace in that suffering. Just as Pastor Chris shared last week, is in this lifetime, we may not experience death. We may not die for Jesus. Praise God, we live in a country that does not persecute against Christians in the way that was happening in the first century, right? Emperor Nero was killing Christians. We have the ability to meet here within this building. But... You may experience uh, mocking. You may experience uh, being a social outcast within your workplace. You may experience even being robbed of your possessions. But remind yourself that no opposition can stop our mission. So maybe this morning you're thinking exactly about your current toxic work environment. I assure you, this is, this is not for me. Uh, this is, uh, I love my work environment. Pastor Jeff, if you want to call him my boss, is a gracious boss. He's a great man. I love my place here. He's a great pastor. But if you're thinking about your supervisor, and maybe you're experiencing unjust suffering, maybe you've been suffering, and maybe you've been discriminated in your workplace or your friend groups because of living for Jesus, with God's word in mind, be respectful. Be grace-filled. No matter if they are good and gentle or unjust, no matter our situation, we are called to be submissive with all respect. When we live this way, we display the grace of God. It is a testament to Jesus in us. So find the grace in suffering. If you're not experiencing suffering, uh, do some personal evaluation. Are you living for Christ in all areas of your life? Are you sharing the gospel when opportunity comes? Are you standing for truth and not compromising? If you answered yes to all those questions, praise God. Like you are in a beautiful work environment where you can share this gospel witness within that context. But if you're not, maybe you need to change the way that you are talking with people within your workplace. 
part of finding the grace and the suffering is what we see next in our passage. Follow the ways of Jesus through the suffering. And we'll pick it up here in verse 21 if you follow along. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Now, here is a tangible example for us to follow. Oftentimes, people will argue against the problem of evil in this universe. Like, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, how terrible would it be if God commanded us to go through this unjust suffering, yet did nothing? But we have this example in Jesus. Like, I think of the example of uh, walking through, like, a foot of snow, of walking through the tracks and somebody following behind you. They're able to walk in those footprints so it's easier. And yes, Metro Detroiters, it is coming. The snow is coming. Just, just be warned. Um, but Jesus is this example that we can follow. Peter says, uh, I know how difficult this world will be. I have an example for you to imitate. This one will lead you. Like, praise God, Jesus did not leave us on our own. He came, he lived a perfect life, yet he died and he suffered. Uh, Peter references a lot of Isaiah 53. And if you're familiar, Isaiah 53 has a lot of prophecies. It's in the Old Testament, in the Bible. And it talks about these prophecies foretelling about Jesus himself. Hundreds of years before Jesus even was born. And it talks about how Jesus would eventually die. So imagine that you're, you're living in this time where Emperor Nero is killing off Christians. Imagine how great of an encouragement this would be to see Jesus as this example that you can look to. As Jesus, this perfecter of your faith. Jesus was their Lord. Jesus was perfect in every single way. And yet he died. These are the ways that Jesus empowered these Christians undergoing unjust suffering. He never sinned, yet he suffered. He did not revile. No deceit was found in his mouth. He laid down his life willingly. Like what it says here is like a lamb led to the slaughter. Like he did not fight his way on the way to the cross. We look to the cross over there because of what he did for us. And then eventually, when he was finally crucified and he's hanging on the cross, Jesus looks down on the people who were murdering him, and he didn't spit at them. He didn't revile. He says, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So instead of fighting against it, he forgave them. He entrusted his life to the Father. He knew God would judge those who were killing him, yet he fought the desire to retaliate by trusting. Like, Jesus had the power to call down the, the multitude of angels and save him, but he endured the cross, he endured the lashes, and he died for you and me. And there are many people who follow in his footsteps. You look at the disciples who were closest to him. A majority of them died for him. Peter, the person who wrote this text, was crucified upside down. A majority of the disciples died for him. 
And then you fast forward through all of church history. You look at Ignatius in the first century, and eventually uh, you get to the 1900s with uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. This was another great Christian man who died for the faith, and this is what he says about our suffering Messiah, Jesus Christ. God lets himself be pushed out of the world onto the cross. He is weak and powerless in the world, and that is precisely the way, the only way, in which he is with us and helps us. The Bible makes quite clear that Christ helps us, not by virtue of, of his omnipotence or his power, but by virtue of his weakness and suffering. The Bible directs man to God's powerlessness and suffering. Man, we, we look to Jesus' example because he is, our, uh, he is that person that we look to while we go through this suffering. And you look through all the martyrs of the faith. And are there any kids or students in the audience right now um, I'm a big Marvel nerd, and so I have an example to share with you guys. I love Marvel, and I'm going to spoil uh, Avengers Endgame. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie yet, but Iron Man lays down his life for all of humanity. Yes, Iron Man dies. Spoiler alert. You've heard it. He sacrifices his life for all of humanity, and you find this through all of cinema. Like, every movie out there talks about how somebody was willing to lay down their life for all of humanity or all their friends. And so, Iron Man aside, I mean, um, are you willing to do that for Jesus? Are we willing to not count our life as something? Like, are you putting your life, your comfortability above Jesus? Because I believe that uh, one of our culture's idols is comfortability. We are comfortable. We, we like being safe. And it's, it's not bad. Like, we should, we should want the best for our kids. We should want the best, uh, the house. But if you put that above the cause of Christ and the gospel of Christ, that's an idol in your life. And so are you counting your life as more precious than Jesus? Church, I don't know what this world is going to bring. I don't know if we're going to die for our faith within this world. But if that does happen, and somebody knocks on your door and says, we got word that you're a Christian, we need to send you to jail right now. Count that as a blessing. Because what Jesus says in the Gospels is, they're not going after you, they're going after me. Count it as a blessing to suffer for Christ. When we are mistreated, we are tempted to retaliate, to lash out, insult, threaten. But we follow the ways of Jesus. Learn to forgive and not retaliate. Follow the ways of Jesus. Don't be surprised. Instead of fighting, forgive and trust the Father completely. Finally, we see that in order to stay faithful while suffering for doing good, we must focus on the overseer of our soul. Focus on the overseer of your soul. Picking up in verse 24. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep and have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Here we find our motivation for the gratitude that we have in Jesus. Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree like a sacrificial lamb. He took our place. We were supposed to be there. Instead, God says, I got this. Man, I, I worship Jesus for that one reason. He loves you. 
He didn't just die for the whole world. He died for you individually. Like Jesus, the God of the universe, the the shepherd and the overseer of your soul loves you. This literal man came to earth and died for you. By his wounds, we have been healed. Healed from all our sin, healed from our shame, our guilt, and the result is that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Since Jesus bore our sins, we are now dead to them. Praise Jesus. We no longer have to live in this sin. We have a solution, and that is in Christ. We are motivated to live in the freedom from a life of sin. Peter even uses verbs in the past tense to show who we were and who we have become in Jesus. He says, uh, you were and we have now returned, meaning that once you were dead, now you're alive. Jesus should change you. Your motivations in life will change you. You won't laugh at the same kind of jokes. You're not going to act in the same kind of way. Jesus will change you from the inside out. You can now look to the God-man who suffered in our place as what Peter calls him the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. I love that description. He says he's the shepherd who feeds, who cares for, who protects the flock. He's also the overseer and the guardian of our souls. Imagine the encouragement and the motivation of these suffering Christians in the first century of understanding that Jesus is protecting them, not necessarily in life, but he's looking after them. He is with them right there through it all. What an encouragement of when you're going through suffering, Jesus is right there with you. And you know that because he went through it as well. We have a sympathetic Messiah, somebody who's gone through it already. You see, perspective changes. When, when your eyes are on the overseer of your soul, everything changes. You're no longer looking to your circumstances. You're no longer focusing on yourself. You're focusing on Jesus. You're focusing on eternity and the life to come. There's a story in the book of Acts in chapter 16 that describes how Peter and Silas uh, were thrown into prison for merely just preaching the gospel. Check it out. There's, there's multiple examples of the disciples preaching Jesus and, being, and suffering for it, but also thrown into jail. Imagine yourself. You're in jail, just like Peter and Silas. How would you respond? They were in jail, and what does it say they were doing? They were singing hymns and praises to God. I love that. Like They were in jail, and what resulted from that was a jailer's salvation. Like, they were in there for a reason. They didn't count that as something terrible. Would you be blaming God, or would you be seeing this as an opportunity? In Jesus, we can be called sons and daughters. We can be exalted with him. We can be healed. We can be righteous. We can be courageous in the face of danger. He is our shepherd. He is the guardian of our souls. As the last example, I I love this song by We the Kingdom. It's called, If All I Had Was Christ. And the first line goes like this. If all I have is Christ, I have nothing to gain. If all I have is Christ, then I have everything. Everything. Everything else is a blessing. Praise God for our houses. Praise God for our lives. But Jesus is everything to us. So are you suffering today? Are you prepared to suffer in the future? 
when you walk through suffering, what do you focus on? Most people focus on themselves. Most people uh, look to the situation and say, why? Why are you doing this to me, God? I want to motivate you to ask a different question of what? What, God, what are you wanting me to see through this? What area of my faith are you wanting me to grow in? Remember what Jesus has done for you. Know that the overseer of your soul goes before you and has already suffered unjustly on your behalf so that you might be healed. I have a daily creed that I read to myself, and it's my prayer that you read the same creed for your own life, or you create something just like this or similar. It says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Today I will sacrifice my own needs, my own desires, my own schedule, my own will. I will lay down my life for the glory of the Lion of Judah. His plan is greater than my own. When I die, this world will look different because I followed Jesus today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your example. We look to you as the author and the, uh, the, the protector and our, of our faith. We praise you for the example that you've already given us. Through all of our suffering on this earth, Lord, we don't, we don't uh, provoke you, we don't blame you but we thank you for just being this perfect example that we can look to. Thank you for already paving the way. We place our faith in you. Jesus, we are sinners and we deserve to die on that cross, but you stood in that place and we thank you for that. Father, I praise you for this passage. If anybody in this uh, area is suffering unjustly, would you just give them grace? Help them to see uh, the, the grace and the suffering I pray that every single one of us would be able to stand for you, Jesus. Your gospel is perfect. Your gospel brings us peace, especially in this unpredictable time. Jesus, we need you, and we lay down our life for you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.